What does the doctor recommend when it comes to churches using tech? Today we're going to talk with Dr. Heidi Campbell, author and professor of communication at Texas A&M University on the Church Solutions Podcast. Welcome to the Church Solutions Podcast, brought to you by JSL Solutions. The Church Solutions Podcast is designed to help equip you and your church in the use of technology and other tools and services. And now, here are your hosts, Steve Lacey and Phil Thompson. And welcome, everyone, to another edition of the Church Solutions Podcast. My name is Phil Thompson. And I'm Steve Lacey. Steve, good to have you here today. How's life for you on your end of Tucson, Arizona? Uh, doing wonderful. All right. We're both they say out. the lyrics from a Hawk Nelson song, high, um, sunny and high of 75. So, Okay. I think it's only <laughs> going to be 65 today, but that's fine. I know. Uh, <laughs> we're we're fine enough. with that. We're close enough. So uh, it's good to have everybody welcome our uh, viewers and listeners to this podcast. Appreciate that. Uh, we have a very special guest today. Dr. Heidi Campbell is our guest, and she is a uh, professor of communication and a uh, and actually a president, the Presidential Impact Fellowship at Steve's rival university, Texas A&M. Uh, she's also the director for the Network of New Media, uh, Religion and Digital Cultural Studies. And uh, uh, Dr. Campbell's research focuses on technology, religion, digital culture. And there's an emphasis here on the Jewish, Muslim, and uh, Christian media negotiations. She's also been involved in numerous publications. I mean, like authored over 100 articles and books. Uh, some of those include When Religion Meets New Media, Digital Religion, Digital Creatives, and uh, the, rethinking, uh, the Rethinking Religious Authority in Digital Culture, just to name a few. And uh, she is an expert, if you haven't figured that out by now, widely quoted uh, on uh, all sorts of subjects in the area of religion and digital media, all literally all over the world. Dr. Campbell, thank you so much for being a part of the Church Solutions podcast today. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a great, it's great to take a break from grading to be here. <laughs> well, there you go. And, and you know, uh, before we jump into some, some really difficult questions for you to answer for us, uh, I'm, I'm being kind of funny here, but maybe I'm not. Uh, you, you're, you're one of the, I think in all the years we've been doing video and, 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 and audio podcasts, like over 10, you are the only one that we ha we've had to redo <laughs> a podcast with. You have that distinct honor. So welcome to this new club. Well, it's good to be with you a second time. We had uh, we had some audio issues and and actually we had technical issues before and we won't get into that. But but anyhow, we're glad to have you here. So Steve, drill so, Dr. Campbell who have some really hard questions about digital media. So let's start with um, some things you've you've obviously had the credentials with both digital media and working with the church and religions. What, what first drew you to that field of study? Well, I started um, kind of really looking at the area of kind of religion and digital media back in about um, 1996. So this was, you know, when the internet first became a kind of a public entity. And um, I had just moved overseas to do a master's in uh, theology and ethics of communication in the University of Edinburgh in Scotland. Um, 
And uh, while I was there, obviously kind of connecting with people back home was really important. So for one of my essays in the course, I just um, was exploring the idea of what is church going to look like because of uh, if we use digital media and how could the, the uh, virtual church be a, a real church or what would that look like? And that actually opened the doors for me to do my um, PhD work and kind of, you know, taking a small essay into a larger project and looking at the early days of the internet and how that was going to be impacting, especially faith communities. So now you've got, that's 20 something years ago. It seems like yesterday to me, because that's, because <laughs> I'm old, I guess. <laughs> um, so over the years, um, this digital wave has broken within the church. Um, and some churches have kind of gone kicking and screaming mm -hmm. towards the you know, embracing this. What are, um, what are some of the benefits of participating in it versus just sitting on the sidelines and let this wave pass through? Well, you know, as you know, this this year has been a really interesting moment, um, and it's interesting to see how a lot of people I've known that it, it both critique my work because the the fear that if we kind of uh, get it online, churches go plug in and log on, they're going to community face to face community is going to be destroyed, or kind of human relationships are going to be um, kind of tossed to the side. And so a lot of the, the both critics as well as kind of I would call it, you know the, the the laggards or the people resistant to it had to kind of change their tune this year because of COVID nineteen. You know when the basically a face to face meeting was impossible, um, technology became the only way for people to to meet. So it's been interesting to see kind of you know people. There's still concerns, I think, about you know, especially for religious groups. You know, what? How does technology shape faith and shape human relationships? But being able to see technology as a gateway to um, uh, creatively gather in a new way, um, you know, because it says you know, where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am in the midst. But that doesn't necessarily mean it's always has to be embodied. You know, why can't we use technology to meet in a, a virtual way? And of course there's limitations to that meeting, but that's, it's still a form of meeting and interaction. And it's been great to see how people have been experimenting over the last year, um, uh, looking at what that could look like and how that could, um, you know, at least be a supplement for at this time and a substitute during this time period, um, even though it's maybe not the full answer for the long run. Right. So that's a common complaint, I think. And people recognize that. I mean, meeting in person is much richer experience than, um, than, you know, meeting online, but things have, you know, over the past 25 years or so, things have gotten better, even with the online side, where do you think, where do you see it going? Do you think we'll get to the point where, um, we're going to do both kind of like we are now with, with COVID forced environment where we're, we're having to, everyone's having to focus with online, but, you know, 10 years out from now, what's the trend line look like? Is it, um, did we just get really accelerated to the, the digital side or is it, are we going to go back to the, you know, the good old ways <laughs> or what's, what, what's your crystal ball say for that? Well, I think, you know, like the early fears and assumption were, is that either you could be online or offline and there was no kind of in-between space. And that was the big fear that people were going to opt for doing kind of things virtually or through tech and mediated forms of interaction and not have that kind of connection. Um, uh, so it was the kind of the idea, and it was still also like in the 90s, like the, the idea of virtual reality. They thought, you know, we're all going to be kind of downloading our brains in 10 years and we're all going to have these, this virtual existence. 
and while obviously you know through especially like gaming platforms and other kinds of you know technology we can do that if we wanted to but the reality now is that we live in this you know hi hybrid world there's um, a lot of been recent conversations about the idea of hybrid church where it's not you know online it's not offline it's uh, kind of a meeting in the middle and this has been talked about you know in ed education you know a lot you know the idea of the hybrid classroom for you know over a, a decade um, because the internet has become so embedded in our everyday lives and digital media so you know we can't bank we can't um, you know do a lot of interactions we can't do financial transactions we can't um, do a lot of our business without digital media and so it's kind of learning to that that kind of middle stage and so really the kind of reality we have now here is more of an augmented reality you know ar technology where it's you know that we have where we're, we're functioning in embodied spaces but technology is enhancing supplementing and in some cases substituting for that and i think that's where the church is having to, is you know i think this um 2020 is taught the church that, you know, you don't have to be one or the other, you know, obviously you want to be face to face, but you can't, but how can you use the technology to kind of, you know, bridge the gap as it were. And then the challenge of, okay, in a post pandemic reality, what have we learned from these experiments and this um, interactions that we need to take on that could kind of extend um, the way that we see what community, the body of Christ is, what um, a mission work is, in uh, a just very digital and, and very digitally dependent. Mm -hmm. Let me uh, let me jump in and, and ask a question. Maybe I might get us off track here a little bit, but you work, you know, you've not just Christianity, but you've got experience with Muslims and and uh, and Hindus and and uh, uh, other walks of faith. Uh, what have you found from your experience, Dr. Campbell? That's maybe some religious groups because of their cultural background. Uh, are there any groups that that are opposed or really have just dragged in, in jumping into the digital media because of their their past culture? Um, you know, I did a, a study about um, 10 years ago where I was comparing Jewish, Muslim and Christian groups, their uses of technology and especially reactions to the Internet. And I thought I might find, OK, this is the Hindu response or the Jewish response. But what I found, it was more that um, that. Uh, kind of a religious groups, their kind of theology of kind of culture really determine how they engage with technology. So if you kind of see that, you know, we're called to be, you know, um, to come away and be separate, like the Amish, or, you know, um, keep a sense of kind of distance. So whether you're a conservative um, Christian, or you're conservative Muslim, you're going to be more hesitant about technology, because you're more hesitant of engagement with contemporary culture. Um, and so it really wasn't so much like a Hindu or, or, um, or, or a, a Jewish or Christian response. It was kind of like, how, you know, how do you see what your role is in, in the culture of society? And every, every religious tradition have both there are people who are like going forward and grabbing and experimenting with digital media and pushing the boundaries and groups that are kind of, you know, kind of kicking and screaming and saying, no, it's the ethically problematic. It's the theologically problematic. Um, and so kind of religious groups fall into one of three groups, either it's, you know, it, the uh, technology is a gift from God, and so it's a, a conduit that we can use just to get our message across, or it's a it's kind of a value-laden um, uh, environment, and that it's going to seduce us if we uh, use it. And then there's people in the middle saying, no, that it's basically technology is tamed by people. And so kind of if we bring Christian values or Jewish values into it, we can culture the technology in line with that. And that means it's going to be some gift, some things are a gift and some things are a challenge to deal with. But I think, you know, that's, a, I think most religious 
traditions, they fall, you know, the group, people in their group fall within one of those three camps. Um, and there's different strategies you have to use with different ones if you're going to talk about technology, about the benefits and the challenges. We thought, uh, you know, we're a streaming company. I'm sorry, Steve, real quick here. We're a streaming company. We thought maybe we would target the Amish uh, for our next marketing campaign. How, how do you think that would go? Uh, I'm kidding. Um, I think, well, first of all, they're probably not going to pick up any of your marketing. <laughs> I, I just had a, a friend a friend that she's actually, um, um, she's from the ultra-Orthodox community. Well, she grew up in the ultra-Orthodox community. She's now Orthodox, so more a little more um, open to technology. Um, but she did a study between the Orthodox and ultra-Orthodox and Amish. And, you know, so, you know, they, they set such strong boundaries. I mean, they don't have televisions in their home. And so, you know, they're not even going to get interact with the passive media that we all come in contact with anyways. Um, so, you know, they're going to, they <laughs> probably wouldn't be very successful, except for maybe a few people who have left the, the community. But, you know, and they have a, a, a really good reason for what reason they don't engage technology, you know, for the Amish community it's all about family and community as the center that's the most important value and the community being in line with scripture and um you know god's plans for for it and so anything that kind of draws them away from that is seen as sin or hindrance and this is the same with the the jewish orthodox community and so you know media technology it's especially the internet it's an individual technology you know at least like even television which they have a problem with it comes in the home and it's a community device because mostly in until recent times most people can couldn't um, have one for every family member. Um, but the internet kind of encourages the secrecy, this privacy, and it basically exalts the individual over the group. And so, you know, any technology, whether it's, you know, uh, the cell phone or even, you know, certain kinds of, um, you know, el electronics will be seen as, as, as sin in those communities because it draws people away from the community accountability and faith. Whereas, you know, in our you know, Protestant world, you know, individualism and individual faith and choice is kind of at the center of um, our, uh, you know, religious practice for good or for ill. And so it's not as difficult for us to kind of, you know, grasp these technologies, even if it puts us in different positions above people in our community. So um, is it true? And this is my impression. You can tell me whether it's right or not. I kind of feel that um, with regard to digital adoption and using digital to achieve your goals, the business world is kind of ahead of the game and the church is typically behind the game. They're kind of, they're, you'll find more laggards in that arena. Is that true? And if so, why, you know, maybe you've kind of talked about why that is. Well, I think, you know, especially for a lot of groups, you can, you know, because um, church is not just about the community of and the values to go into, but it's all about um, many white raised in contemporary society, church is about an institution and an organization and your organizations, you know, move slowly. Um, because, you know, it's a, it's just a sphere of loss of control. In the business world, like entrepreneurship and experimentation are really kind of values put, put at the top. <laughs> in, the, I think in religious communities, it's about stability and dogma and doctrine, um, you know, that are really kind of seen as more central. And so you go, there's a lot of things about digital culture that are, are antithetical to the kind of practices or values of especially religious institutions and institutions in general. And that's why I think that a lot of um, groups are more hesitant. And again, it's that kind of boundary between, you know, um, how you see, you know, re uh, the relationship to culture. Is it Christ in culture, Christ above culture, Christ against culture? And especially if you're in the kind of Christ, um, uh, you know, against culture narrative, the idea is that, that any of those tools from, you know, modernity or values that are outside the, the tradition, that means it's drawing you away from 
what's central. And even if it's just a pri even if it's just um, a conceptual thing, even if it's not an actual thing. So I think that's why, you know, um, uh, experimentation, doing things in beta form, the church has never, at least in the last 100 years, been good at that. Um, you know, and, and we just think about the, the routinization of charisma, you know, even a lot of the um, uh, prophetic movements or the, um, uh, you know, charismatic or kind of um, movements, like, you know, you get somebody that's doing innovation and then there's just the, the draw to kind of let's legitimize this, let's institutionalize it, let's put a structure on it. And that goes against kind of creativity, which is so necessary for technological engagement. Mm -hmm. So do you have, I mean, talking about, you know, I kind of understand how the, the church has been more hesitant to experiment and get involved. Are there things that you could highlight over the years that, that um, some big mistakes that ministries have made with regard to technology and some big wins that churches or ministry just in general, kind of the trends over the years that, that, uh, you know, ministries have seen. Do you have any examples off the top of your head that uh, come to mind? Yeah. Um, you know, I remember back in the kind of uh, late 90s, early 2000s, there's been a lot of, um, of kind of philosophy ideas within the church saying, oh, okay, we need to grab digital media, but we want to do it on our terms. And so we're going to build this space or this platform that will draw religious people to it. It'll be in line with our values and that we have kind of control over the environment. And if we build that, then all the Christians or all the people from our tradition or community are going to come there because they know it's you know, certified by our tra our tradition in space, and there's been a lot of examples. Um, uh, you know, uh, I think one would be um, uh, it was called um, Crosstalk. It was like a community, and it's still out there as an email community. Very has lots of different discussion groups, but again, it was going to be this kind of it was going to be the uh, <laughs> the Facebook or the Google of Christianity. Um, but they kind of created a lot of boundaries, saying that you have to use the technology in this way, and instead of kind of studying, okay, how are people actually using media, or what kind of things do they really want out of digital or social media and then now let's build on that they, they tried to basically you know it's, I call it the field of dreams theology if we build it they will come you know in a great box um, a more recent example could be kind of GodTube um, GodTube started out by a seminary student in Dallas you know he wanted to create a kind of safe space that finding YouTube had too much problematic moral immoral co content he'd come from Hollywood and so he kind of knew from the inside perspective the problems and so he created this and it was as a kind of a Christian alternative to YouTube, it worked well, but then it tried to rebrand itself as Tangle, um, which was going to be, again, the Facebook for Christian community. Um, but people already invested in Facebook. Um, and so it's like, well, do I leave all my contacts and friends and then go to this new thing? And so there's been, you know, I, I know at least half dozen people, because a lot of them have come to talk to me for either advice or just, you know, hey, research us, you know, to help us get some attention. And it's like spending a million or more dollars. And I'm like, going, man, if you just had spent the time to research what, you know, what, what, what people in your tradition, your community really want and need, and then kind of piggyback on that and then maybe creating kind of you know connection points or something but you know there's uh, there's a lot that can be done for free in digital culture now with all the platforms that are available and you could save yourself a lot of money and time and heartache <laughs> by mm -hmm. um, maybe doing the research and actually kind of seeing um, you know how how can we engage it in digital culture in a in a christ-like way rather than trying to just create a, a haven or an alternative that's a really good that is very interesting yes and looking back at it, you're like, yeah, I, I can see that now because that would be the natural tendency to, oh, we got Facebook, but Facebook has all these problems. So let's, let's create this other thing that's 
in our kosher world. So, and, and yeah, so you're, you're kind of admonishing that the church needs to be able to embrace the technology that's prevalent in the culture in a manner that, you know, furthers just leverage that technology and not try to um, create something that's going to be, you know, my version of this. Um, Exclusive. Yeah. yeah, That's a great, um, that is a great, so do you have along those lines? So you you talked about some, you know, failed attempts at, um, do you have, do you have any examples that you've seen ministries that are, they're leveraging digital technology really well and what's the kind of the thematic approach or the, or maybe some specific examples of how um, some ministries have really leveraged it and it's really, you know, benefited the ministry. Um, the one thing I see is, especially in the area of kind of the, you know, what they call a digital evangelism or online missions, but basically looking at how do we do mission work in the 21st century in a digital influence culture and how do we use digital technologies not just to reach the people who you know we can connect with through the screen but in our you know other um, cultural context so there's I think in missions there's been a lot of interesting um, uh, you know experimentation anything from you know, uh, campus crusade which is now crew um, you know kind of empowering small groups of people saying hey go out there and figure out how could we train missionaries how could we do missions how could we kind of you know rethink what missions looks like in the 21st century and so um, you know I call these people digital creatives because they oftentimes are, you know, they, they, they may be in, they, they work on the auspices of a certain organization or denomination, but really when they've been set free to experiment, to do that kind of beta testing, they come up with creative ideas. And um, there's a lot of networks um, that, you know, and most of them you won't hear about um, because they're, especially they're reaching out to people like Muslim um, born believers, um, you know, in the, the Arab world or all on internet disparate communities. Um, I've done some some uh, research and stuff in my current book um, that came out on digital creatives and the rethinking of religious authority of looking at especially people that use technology um, in Turkey and in other parts of the Arab world um, where they can't, you know, form a church where Christianity is still illegal, but they can kind of leverage that in creative ways. And they can also create a support network with Muslims that uh, exist in, you know, cr- countries where it is free to exercise Christianity and create these kind of global support networks. So I think that there's a lot of, you know, emissions that we can see a lot of interesting examples of people kind of, you know, whether they're using, you know, creating, um, turning old fashioned correspondence courses into kind of, you know, so um, things that are done through the mobile phone and you can directly text people um, to, uh, you know, uh, digital uh, discipleship and mentorship through, um, you know, websites and other um, app platforms. So a lot of creativity there in missions, I think. Yeah. And I, I assume you've seen the shift between, you know, the church was focused on local It's for, you know, my church, the church is, you know, it's the people that come through the doors and over the past 20 years, we've seen, I, I think churches have seen that boundary being removed and how effective can you be when you get beyond your local church to, to achieve that mission? What have you seen there and what, do, what can we foresee in the future? Well, I think, yeah, it's, you know, um, I, I had once a, a master's student that, you know, came to work with me, and, and she had a very interesting story where she basically, she grew up in an atheist home, and um, uh, from an Asian background, her parents were very resistant to um, uh, Christianity, um, but she went on, she was going through a, a you know, 
point of crisis in her life. And so she was going online and she found herself on one of these, I think it was through InterVarsity, a, um, a, a discussion group. And she began talking to someone and they, they kind of basically adopted her as a, and they mentored her in Christianity. And so she became a Christian without ever actually uh, go, be, setting foot in a church, you know, um, uh, or being part even part of a Christian organization. Um, it wasn't until she went to college uh, that she actually was the first time she actually met face-to-face -face Christians. And you know, this was just in you know 2000, you know, mid 2000s that this happened. So you know, it, it, I just think it's um, there's a lot of interesting to see kind of how the, how technology can be used as this kind of gateway for people um, to kind of interact. You know, and I think it's kind of again, you know, we used to think church is local, and then there, I think there was a phase um, where church is global, and we know, okay, we need to go into all the world and that was, it was all focused on you know how do we get out there and sending people to missions I think now there's been this return to what we call in sociology the local where it was basically we know that the local investing in your local community is so important but having a global perspective and offering those opportunities for connection um, and I think you know um, the internet is just great for that and I think that's a lot a lot of people have seen through um, this last year in COVID is that, hey, we can, we can use technology to build our local congregation, congregation. We can also connect with people outside our community and we can kind of see what our, our church having a global impact um, through relationships, through offering our services online um, and just kind of being a presence in the digital age. Phil, you jump uh, in and call time on us, I'm sure. I, I am. We're just about out of time. You, you, I think you pretty much answered this, my next question here, but of, of all the religious groups that you are familiar with, would you say it's the evangelicals that are really using digital media the best? Um, well, I guess it depends on how you say, say the best. I mean, you know, actually, it's the Catholics that have been the most innovative historically in their use of media, um, partially because they have the central institution. And so they've developed a very clear theology of communications and social communications. And so, you know, the Vatican can send out a message saying, hey, this is what, you know, we said in, in 1946 about movies. This is what we say now about the Internet. Let's all go for it. And so at least it gives like kind of a rallying cry, um, uh, you know, and, you know, the first televangelists were not evangelicals. It was, you know, Bishop Fulton Sheen, who was a Catholic. And then there was charismatics that were um, part of that tradition. So, um, you know, I, and, and I've also kind of the, the, um, the um, Lubavitch um, Jews uh, who basically they don't evangelize people outside the Jewish tradition, but are really calling secular Jews back to religious faith. They have some of the most creative websites and strategies for outreach, both kind of through technology and face to face um, because they're, the, you know, because of, and their commitment. So I'd say, you know, uh, there's a, a strong historic tradition of Protestants, but we weren't always the first ones to the table um, to do these things. And there's a lot of things we could learn from other religious traditions as well. Good, good answer. So we are out of time. So I'm going to cut Steve off here. Uh, so uh, Professor uh, Dr. Heidi Campbell, Professor of Communication at uh, Texas A&M has been our guest today. Uh, Dr. Campbell, thank you so much. Uh, look, you've got lots of books and lots of stuff out there for our listeners. And our listeners are mainly pastors, associate pastors, very important volunteers uh, for their, their churches and things. What, what book would you recommend that you've written or been involved with? What, what would you recommend for somebody to pick up and where could they get it? Well, I would recommend actually this year I was able to put together two edited collections. One's called The Distance Church for Pastors. Uh, it's bringing pastors as well as research together, looking at how do we need to respond to technology and especially times of crisis like this. And the other book is called 
um, digital ecclesiology. And so it's a follow up looking at the deeper theological issues and theologians wrestling with how do we think theologically about uh, culture in a digital age. Those books, if uh, the digital ecclesiology and the distance church are available free, um, uh, so you can download them. So that's a great place to start on looking at these topics as well as getting an introduction to my work. So when you say download them free, where do they go to download them? Um, uh, well, I can send you the, the link um, for information there, but um, it, it, uh, they're under, it's called Oak Trust. They're uh, e-published books um, through uh, my university, but if they just Google dis the distance church and my name or digital ecclesiology and my name okay. and look for something that comes under Oak Trust, Texas A&M University, they'll find them. All right. Awesome. And, I, and I, I searched just your name and I found them. So if you throw the book name in there, you're going to definitely get it. Well, there you go. There you have it. All right. Well, Dr. Campbell, thank you so much for being our guest today on the Church Solutions Podcast. Thank you for having me. All right. And uh, thank you, Steve, for being a part of things, as usual. Good questions. And uh, I'm Phil Thompson. And for all of us here at uh, StreamingChurch.tv and all the other things we do here, thank you for uh, spending some time either watching this video or listening to the Church Solutions Podcast. Please take care of yourselves. We'll see you again next time. Take care.